Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalle, aka MDV, and you are sitting down with me for episode 92, the one about reading the room. Me and Mr. Max Isaac are back on the mic this week, chopping it up about a subject that all coaches need to be dialed into, and that is reading the room. Now, in this episode, we cover a range of topics, all the way from how BS are your supplements and whether Trader Joe's really stands up to all the hype, all the way through how and why coaches should be reading the room, which is an absolute critical skill that all coaches need to have. We all know that preparation really will drive your success as a coach, but if you're not reading the room, you might not be giving your athletes the experience they need or they want that day, and we will talk about why in this episode. And like I said, reading the room paired with preparation will give you an absolute banger of a class, and the way that you can do that is by using the tools in the NC Fit Collective to prepare yourself to go out there and run an absolute banger of a class. 365 days a year, seven days a week, we give you and your coaches the absolute best class plans to go out there and run the absolute best classes. In our class plans, you get highlights, you get a stimulus description, you get teaching, you get coach to coach insight, coach to athlete insight, you have adjustments, you have a warm up, you have absolutely everything that you could need And not only are your coaches gonna be able to go out there and run a fantastic class in the moment, but they are going to learn over time. And this is how we have solved the problem of coaching development. So if you're scratching your head wondering why your coaches aren't getting better, why are they not improving? Why don't they feel like they're dialed in when they go out there on the floor? You must check out the NC Fit Collective. If you gain one member from running better classes, the NC Fit Collective pays for itself. You can email us at collective at nc.fit or go to the programming page on the nc.fit website. Tell them MDV sent you. You won't get a special discount, but you will get a special high five. And without further, further delay, grab a notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two about reading the room. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. I'm sitting down with my main man, Mr. Max Isaac. You are joining us for episode 92 max is flashing all the peace signs over there but nobody can see that since we don't have video recording of the podcast oh we just threw up the west coast signs Ooh, this is a yeah we could well west coast east coast beef here you're on the east coast and on the west coast <laughs> no no beef it's all it's all it's all love it's all love that's, baby. that's that's the that's the best part from the west coast to the east coast through the power of the interwebs we get together well through the power of the interwebs, what I'd like you to do is give me a little update about how the zero one challenge is going over at CrossFit Tilt because you guys are a, a few weeks into this now. You had a, a lot of your members sign up for it. You kicked it off with a big discussion about the philosophy behind the zero ingredients on one plate philosophy. What's going on? Everybody's killing it. No, it's um, it's spurred. A lot of great discussions, a lot of great interactions in class, outside of class, on our closed Facebook groups. People are enjoying it. And like I said, they're they're talking about it more. We're also giving a couple like mini talks during the weeks. Like yesterday, I gave um, all, all my classes a talk about, you know, the, the, the base of that kind of CrossFit pyramid, talking about 
nutrition, talking about Metcon, why those two pieces are so important. For me personally, I am in a really good groove. And this is kind of how long it takes for me to, you know, get, get back into it, which is like two or three weeks of being um, very consistent. Mm. So the thing that's been incredibly helpful for me has, I think we talked about before, but like I've eliminated sweets at night and replaced it with frozen berries. And that has been one of the biggest things. Um, The other thing that Britt and I have really been trying to uh, stay on top of is making sure that there are, this may sound so silly, but making sure that there are prepped and cooked potatoes, like making sure that we always have enough starchy carbs. Otherwise I find that I like default to rice and while rice is fine, it doesn't really stay true to what I believe this challenge is about, which is trying to try and listen, I get it. The ingredients in rice is rice. I know that it's fine. I just, I'm like, okay, if I'm eating a potato, it's at least closer to being one ingredient, you know? So. Yeah. You could argue that the potato is, uh, less processed than white rice. Certainly modern white rice goes through uh, a significant amount of processing before it gets into the, into the pot for you to boil it. You know, one of the things for me when I'm following the zero one diet, that can be a, a little bit of a hurdle is not having protein either prepped or protein defrosted. Usually when I find myself in that position, and I'm looking to make a meal, if I don't have those, one of those two things, it can be a little bit tough to get my plate going just because this diet does rely upon, you know, the main macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, and fats, obviously. But for me, it's a protein centric diet. I'm eating probably about 1.25 or one and a half grams of protein per pound of lean body mass every day. And that's a significant amount of animal protein. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get to that number when you're using powdered supplements, you know, that's, I think one of the benefits for people who have trouble consuming, you know, animal protein or, uh, protein that's kind of, you know, food based, sometimes the volume of what you have to eat can be intimidating for people. And that's, that's kind of where I see the value of powdered supplements. Sometimes I know that it's not necessarily something that I recommend to most people. Um, I'm not a big supplement guy. That's really, I think the value of it in terms of how can a supplement help you towards your nutritional goals. Um, if you're not getting enough protein through your animal sources or through your food sources, then that's where I see them come into play. That was, we were just discussing that a little bit pre podcast as well. You know, um, the whole point of the, the zero one diet is to try to eliminate crap like that, eliminate stuff that's super highly processed, that has a lot of artificial ingredients that has a lot of, you know, refined sugar in it. And if you're not careful with the supplements that you take, there is a lot of bullshit in supplements. Right. A lot of bullshit. But I think, um, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. This, this thing hinges on keeping meat defrosted and being able to like cook meals quickly. So for instance, last night, like I coached until 
7.30, got home around like 8 o'clock and just immediately, you know, put a pound of grass-fed beef in a pan, cooked it down, seasoned it with, you know, salt and pepper, put it on top of better rice, bunch of pickles, peppered onions, or excuse me, banana peppers, uh, caramelized onions, all that other stuff, made myself a little burger bowl. Start to finish, the whole meal took me 15 minutes. Yeah. But if I didn't have the meat defrosted, I wouldn't be able to do it. With that said, most of the time, if I don't have meat defrosted, five eggs. Like just, I'm, I'm cooking up five eggs. But let me ask you this. Ask me. Is it okay to eat raw eggs? I don't know the answer to that. And I would have to, I would have to go look it up. Um, some of the things that I've read about salmonella... I'm I'm not necessarily sure that it comes actually from raw egg, um, but I, I would have to look it up. I don't know the answer to that. And, you know, kind of going back to last episode when we talked about knowing where the limits of your expertise or knowledge lie, you know, I, I think somebody else might better answer that question, a.k.a. Coach Google can answer that question for us. But, you know. So it, sa- it says that um... – as long as the eggs are pasteurized, you can eat shell pasteurized eggs without cooking them. So there you go. And the, the reason I, the reason I ask you this well, is, does that mean, does that mean the salmonella is technically on the shell and not in the, in the egg and that you'd be getting the, the residue from the external shell because it, I mean, you can't do anything to influence the material inside the egg, unless there's some sort of alien technology that I don't know about. But I believe, I actually think that it might be on the shell. That's why they're saying that um, they would have to be pasteurized. So, but we can, we can, well, we can look into well, this no, in a minute because well, I don't want to spend well, a lot of time diving into Google and finding all the articles. Well, I already got out. the answers. Relax for a second. She's Louise. So this is, this is the thing. In a lot of mixed drinks, people will add an egg white to make it more frothy. <laughs> yeah. What, th- Matt? No, I was just serious. I was so- just remembering we when we used to go out at CFNE, one of our buddies used to order um, what was it? Paleo whiskey, right? And it was what is that? It, it, is that whiskey with an egg yolk? Yeah, in it? R- whiskey with a br- with a full egg in it. So. I don't know why he would order that, but I I don't (laughs) used to. That that's kind of like a shock value type order. Like you order that, people are like, "Damn!" Um, (laughs) But the the reason I asked you this is once or twice a week, I'll make like a a smoothie. So I don't I don't take supplements a lot, but I do like having a smoothie sometimes. And inside the smoothie, what I've been what I've been doing is I'll add I'll add an egg to every smoothie because I'm trying to be like Rocky. And then the other thing that I've been adding, which I really like, is half of an avocado. Mm. And it makes it it That's makes it like super frothy, rich. It's been really nice. So just a little bit about me. I've only been eating one raw egg, which I feel like is fine. You know? Like I eat a raw egg and then, then I lick a bunch of doorknobs and I'm fine. We're not doctors. We just play them on TV. So if you want to add some raw eggs to your smoothies. Do the research first. Make sure you're doing it the right way. But coming back to the zero-one diet, it really is a diet that's based around having fresh food available to you, which means that you have to be going to 
the market, the farmer's market, the supermarket. You got to be shopping the perimeter of the supermarket if you're going there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like to find farmer's markets and try to support the economy, the small economy that way. It's kind of difficult, though, you know, in terms of getting the volume of food that you would need to get. So oftentimes when I go to farmer's market, I'm just picking up little odds and ends. Most of my grocery list, and I shop at Safeway because it's the closest grocery store. It's the only one that we really have around here. We don't have a Whole Foods. There's no Trader Joe's nearby. But Safeway brand uh, open nature grass-fed beef is like, $6.99 $6.99 a pound for 80-20, which is fantastic. I put six of those in my cart and then I'm kind of off to the races. That's a big part of my diet is uh, grass-fed ground beef. It's so easy to cook and it actually mm-hmm. is very easy to defrost um, yep. because it's already kind of chopped up and it has that higher fat content. So if you put it in a bowl with some warm or hot water, it's pretty much defrosted in like 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, that's a good point. So whenever I go to farmer's markets, I'm mostly just buying flowers and pickles. That's really what I'm going for. The flowers and the pickles. Extra tickles. (laughs) Big flower flower and pickles guy. I like having flowers and I like eating pickles. Um, Well, pickles are the most underrated addition to just about any meal, but especially salads. Big salads, you need big pickles on there. Not necessarily big pickles. You know what I mean. You just need a big you want a, serving a of pickles. large, large volume of pickles. And so none of I'm, this bread and butter bullshit. Dill no. only. Or spicy. Um, but here's a hot take. Trader Joe's sucks. The Trader <laughs> Joe's isn't a grocery store. It's a snack store. So you can get some good snacks there and sure maybe they have some good seasonings but it's not a grocery store it's a snack store and i am not trying to eat tons of snacks their produce is the worst yeah they have typically bad they have the worst produce they listen same thing with safeway they probably have good grass-fed meat but other than that they have a lot of pre-seasoned and pre-marinated meats and it's chock full of whatever you know shitty oils so we stay away from trader joe's we do all of our shopping at whole foods except for like i said going to the farmer's market for flowers and tickles trader joe's has i I kind of agree with you because you know i think it's a little bit overrated there are like some trader joe's nuts out there that people like swear by trader joe's there's like whole websites dedicated to trader Mm -hmm. joe's finds one of the things that I really liked about Trader Joe's when I was living in Oceanside, there was one pretty close by, is that they do have really nice New York steaks, New York strip steaks that are pre-packaged. I thought that the value for them was phenomenal. I thought that the, the taste and quality was phenomenal. You can find them in the meat section there, but it's often, like you said, hidden around a lot of other pre-marinated, kind of pre-seasoned meats, pork, beef, chicken, they have all that stuff there. And again, not yucking anybody's yum. If you want to do that, and if you're eating, if you're currently eating a diet that's like super highly processed, you're eating everything that comes out of a box in a bag, you're getting all your food from freaking McDonald's or Burger King or Chick-fil-A or whatever, going to Trader Joe's and getting the, the pre-marinated or pre-seasoned meat is a better option. It is a better option. But let me, let me ask I you would, this. I would like if they had a better produce selection but 
you know, you got to, you got to, you got to roll the punches there at Trader Joe's. Sometimes it's take what you can get. When, when you were coaching back at CFNE, you used to have this thing when we would do our shoulder rolls. And I want to say, I I forget, one was like putting on your jacket in what in Staten Island? (laughs) No, it was, uh, yeah, so what Max is talking about is on the East Coast, I come from Long Island, come from New York, and if anybody knows that... Uh, Strong Coast, Island, stand up. Yeah, if anybody knows East Coast people, you know that there's a little bit of, you got a little bit of bravado, you got a little bit of fucking extra <laughs> attitude. You bump into somebody at the club, we're going to be throwing some fisticuffs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so <laughs> what we would do is when we were warming up our shoulders for things like Olympic lifting, or, or if we're going to be doing any sort of shoulder to overhead, or pulling or pull-ups or stuff like that the shoulder roll forward was putting on a jacket and jersey you know you, yeah. get, you, got, you got your little leather jacket over your shoulders like uh fonzie and then you just kind of roll it forward and then the other yeah. one was uh you want to do this in staten island Piss, <laughs> no pissed off pissed off in staten yeah. island with shoulder back. rolls back yeah um gotta have fun with so- it man so and that's so this is great because I know that we wanted to talk a little bit about um, Olympic lifting today. And so who would have thought that just you bringing up a New York strip would get us there? Connections, <laughs> baby. And one thing that one thing that I love about that is it's a little bit silly. Yeah, it's silly. It gets them it gets them warming up. And the other thing is they remember it. You did that eight years ago and i still remember it and like granted i didn't know it verbatim but it's been eight years and i love that it like it sticks with you and this is this is one thing that especially when you're teaching olympic lifting it has got to be simple it has got to be catchy if people are really going to be able to digest it you know, the, the Olympic lifts are, I mean, they're spectacular. There's nothing like, you know, teaching somebody how to clean and jerk, teaching somebody how to snatch. But nine times out of 10, the person that you're coaching doesn't need to know that there are three poles. Doesn't need to hear all of this technical jargon. They maybe just need to hear you're pissed off in Staten Island and that's how you're going to pull your shoulders back and down. And, you know, that's going to keep your lats tight. You know, and I think that, I think that that is a, it's an interesting thing to talk about. Yeah. I would certainly say in this, in the set and setting that we coach in CrossFit and functional training, we're dealing with a population of people who are seeking general health and fitness. Yes. Obviously they want to perform the movements, and we want them to perform the movements with a high level of uh, mechanical. Um, uh, we want the mechanics to be really nice and tight. You know, we don't want to see shitty movement. We don't want to see people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And that does involve a level of obviously teaching them the right way to do things. However, I agree with you that it doesn't need to be overly technical. I don't think that. Most of the time, we coach in the type of environment in which you have the luxury of being overly technical, unless it's the only thing 
that you're doing that day. Let's say the only thing that your gym has programmed for that day is 20 minutes to work up to uh, a heavy three rep clean or a heavy two rep clean or a heavy one rep clean or whatever. Then, yeah, you have time in that hour to break down the movement a bit more to maybe give them a little bit more nuance to take them through some sort of, uh, you know, maybe loading plan or how they're going to spend their time. But all, more often than not, when we're looking at introducing the Olympic lift into a functional training class, you know, maybe there's a portion of the class that, Hey, we're going to build to some sort of lift, but then we're going to do a workout or we have these movements involved in a workout that have other parts and pieces. And we also have to touch on other things that day. Obviously, usually when the Olympic lifts show up in workouts, we probably are going to be focusing on them to some extent in the teaching uh, because they do have so much quote unquote weight to them. They are very technical, want the athletes moving with some level of precision. Um, but, you know, I, I, I agree with you, dude. I, it's a fucking snooze fest when I watch a coach out there dive intricately too deep using too much technical jargon. The members are just standing around. They're watching the coach talk for the whole time. And yeah, maybe you could say, Hey, there's a few people that are really interested in it, but most people are there to move. They're there to get a great workout and they're there to learn a thing or two. So, you know, I I don't think that necessarily you're doing the entire membership uh, value or you're doing them a good service by essentially taking them through a fucking lecture on the squat clean. You know what I'm saying? I totally know what you're saying, but I'm going to give you an example today. This is a real world example. So today our workout. Real world CrossFit tilt. Real world road rules. Um, Workout today, 10 minute clock to build up to a heavy clean and jerk. Rest five minutes, 30 clean and jerks at 65% of your heavy clean and jerk. So one one movement today yes we certainly took a deeper dive on the clean and jerk but even when we do that we're still trying to keep things simple and i think and i think we've talked about this before that the most important thing that you can do is to set the expectation and set the focus from the beginning you know we're going to focus on these two things today so for instance for my lifters today the biggest thing i wanted to focus on with the clean is i want elbows to be ripped through fast that's going to be our biggest thing i want the bar to be received on the shoulders quickly from there our main focus for the push jerk today was making sure that we're reaching actively punching into the bar it's the press that never ends we're reaching hard into the bar and that's kind of where where we dug into but i agree with what you're saying if you're running an Olympic lifting clinic and the whole thing, you know, you've got four, eight hours, whatever to, to go into it. Of course, you know, you're going to go into the minutiae. You're going to talk about all this other stuff, but it's also about being able to read the room. It's also being to understand, and this is, and I was actually talking to one of our younger coaches today about this. This is why it's essential to build out a lesson plan. This is why you have to come in to your classes with a real blueprint of, what you're going to be going through. Once you have that, it gives you an opportunity to read the room and see what your athletes need from you in that class. 
Today, it's 11.30. I coach four classes already today. Every single one of my classes, that's right, Jason Ackerman, listen up. Um, <laughs> so coach four classes today, all effective, by the way. Coach four classes. Every single class had a very similar blueprint. My general warm-up, the progressions that I were, that I was using. Outside of that, Every class was different because every class required something different from me. My 5.15 is way different than my 9 a.m., right? It's the needs are the same. The degrees are different. The stuff in between is different, right? And I think that that, as a coach, is one of the most fabulous things about coaching is that if you're reading from a script, coaching can become monotonous and boring, a lesson plan is not something that you're going to read verbatim from like a script. What it is, is it's going to give you an opportunity to let a couple things come through. One, your real personality. Can you add your personality to your class once you have your blueprint? And then the other thing we just talked about is taking note, reading the room, taking inventory of what your athletes need in that class from you. And again, it's like, it's why... CrossFit functional training is so attractive to me. It's like, it's never ending, right? Because classes are continually morphing. There are new people coming to classes, leaving from classes. And so each class requires something different. And, uh, you know, in, in a workout like today, we, we went over one movement, the clean and jerk. Now, granted, we did talk about lifting for load and lifting for speed, because when you're lifting for load, essentially, right, it's two separate movements. We're doing the clean, standing up the clean, going into the pusher. And then when we're going into 30 reps at 65% where, you know, we're utilizing the rebounding clean and jerk that CrossFit specific movement. And so even in that today, and I'll, I'll let you go in a second, but um, even in that today, I brought all of my members, like I brought their attention to that at the end of class, which was how spectacular it is that athletes are able to come into class and they are, going through the mechanics, learning how to do the movement, learning it separate for load, and then learning it again for speed. And the reason I brought this up to my members today is that that is what an athlete does. You know, athletes are not, you know, professional athletes. That's not what I think about. I think about people that think thoughtfully, right, about what they're doing, and they put time and effort into that, um, into that thing. Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> I agree with you for the most part in terms of what you were saying about lesson plan. I do have a, a slightly different opinion in terms of what kind of coach we're talking about, who's utilizing a lesson plan. You know, I, I think for people who are very, very, very new to coaching, utilizing a lesson plan as crutches, literally sticking to the plan. I don't want to say no matter what, but almost no matter what, and making sure that the plan is really sound in terms of the fundamentals that it generally applies, that you have a couple of things in there that you can pull out for beginners. You have a couple of things in there that you can pull out for really advanced athletes. But for those beginner coaches, they, they really don't have the, the amount of reps or the amount of experience to freewheel off of a lesson plan like I think you were describing. Now, as you get more seasoned along your coaching journey, 100%, the, the lesson plan becomes guardrails for you to stay within the bounds of uh, these lines, you know, and you can flow a little bit more. You might actually want to kind of uh, maybe go around the line for a minute and then come back to the lesson plan at, an, at another time. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, lesson planning is so incredibly valuable. And just to take the practical example that you laid out for today, where you had, you know, 10 minutes to build to a heavy rep of a clean and jerk, and then you had 30 reps at 65%, you know, that, that takes a lot of planning. There's a lot going on there. You're, you're teaching a complex movement with load on a short clock. That is something that I think a lot of coaches and a lot of athletes struggle with. I think lifting on the short clock is one of these things that's really unique to CrossFit and functional training. And I don't think a lot of people really nail that. And then you're right. You do have a completely different style or completely different technique, completely different technique in the 65% 30 reps. Just really quickly, just so, you know, coaches out there, and I know that you know this, Max, but I think it's really important to understand the difference in language sometimes because a technique is, a, is like a tool. It's a method. It's a way that you're going to do something, right? So the technique that you would use to lift an extremely heavy, uh, clean and jerk is a little bit different than the technique you would employ to do touch and go lighter clean and jerks. You know, you have the rebounding effect of the touch and go lighter. And then in the heavier clean, you obviously have obvi all the things in the mechanics and all the things there that would go into uh, lifting a heavy barbell. The mechanics of both movements are the actual, you know, fundamental parts and pieces that get put together in terms of, you know, the body and the barbell and how that's working to make the movement safe, sound and, uh, and effective. Um, so just just a little kind of clarity there. But coming back to that 10 minute short clock lifting, if you come into a class and you're trying to build up to a heavy lift in 10 minutes and you are either inefficient in how you're talking to your members about that or they don't understand that this is heavy for the amount of time that you have today it's relative um, we're not asking you and you might have a different opinion on this but this is my opinion when you're lifting on a short clock you have to take that into consideration I'm not asking you to jam 225 pounds on the bar within the first 30 seconds and try to get that to your shoulders what I'm telling you is that you have an assignment. You have this assignment. I'm going to give you this lesson over here. I'm going to give you all these, these tools. I'm going to tell you, this is how I want you to start. This is how I want you to use the clock. And this is where I want you to end up. And that might be different. You might say, hey, you're starting with an empty barbell. And that means now you have a little bit of a longer ramp up to what you're going to have for your heavy. You might warm them up prior with a moderate barbell and start them with a moderate barbell and then let them build a little heavier there. But you have to be aware of that as a coach. You know, I think the longer lifting sessions in CrossFit and functional training, probably like 20 to 30 minutes, probably 30 minutes is the longest amount of time that generally people have when you're building to something. And that's a, a, a pretty long amount of time to get a, a, some lifting in, in a class environment. But oftentimes you see lifting done on 15-minute clocks, 18-minute clocks, 20-minute clocks, and, and sometimes below that, 12-minute clocks, 10-minute clocks. The shorter the amount of time, obviously, the load relative to that is going to be generally less overall, and you have to be much more efficient with how you're using that time. In a 30-minute building session, you have a lot of time to mull around. You can talk. You can think about the lift. You can think about your next steps. You can build a plan across that clock. 10-minute clock, you don't have any of that. You really have probably five lifts if you're, if you're smart, right? Because you have a couple of lifts in there that are going to be super light that you can get done right away. And then you have three lifts that maybe you can get done within like 
six minutes or seven minutes after that. But I think that's a really interesting topic as well. And um, yeah, you know, the other thing is like, how much can you, how much can you fucking teach these people and give them for only a 10 minute lifting session? If their brain is thinking about 10,000 things, you've overloaded them. That 10 minute lifting session might not be as meaningful. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of good stuff here. <clears throat> I want to, I want to um, clarify something. I'm not saying to jump off your lesson plan. I'm saying that as you know, a seasoned coach, you still stick to, stick to a lesson plan, but you can find opportunities to weave in different things. Just want to make sure I'm clear there. Um, For sure. Second thing, hundred um, percent agree that with a 10 minute clock, you have to do a couple of things as a coach. One is set the expectation of what you're looking for. And let's be serious. You should be doing that every freaking day when you're talking to the members, right? When you, when you are talking to your members about, about a workout and we, we talked about this, when we talked about whiteboard briefs, you better be giving them something more than reading off the goddamn board. And what you really should be doing is telling them exactly what you're looking for during that class. And you know me, I keep it very scientific. Today, when I was telling people about uh, a 10-minute clock and working up to a heavy, I said, this is how you find a heavy. You hit a rep, you put the bar down, you say, holy, that was heavy. And that's your heavy. Now, the other thing that it tells you when you're saying working up to a heavy is that you're not maxing out, which means you're not missing lifts, right? And this is something that took me years to understand. And probably it's because... 10, 12 years ago or 10 years ago, I probably wasn't really listening to it. You know, I know that Ben was definitely saying, you know, set your back a little bit harder, you know, do this. And, and I probably wasn't listening. Um, but now, you know, I'm however many years in, it's so much easier for me to just say, all right, cool. This is my heavy for today. I'm going to move on. And my biggest thing is getting that point across to our members in a thoughtful and kind way, you know, and how I think this is, this is also an important conversation is talk to them about what's the overarching goal of what we're trying to achieve. You know, the overarching goal is not how, you know, how heavy can you go today, but can you put these pieces together for the clean and jerk? Can you, if, if you know your skill level volume dictates it, you're able to do this. Can you work up to something heavy if this is where you're at and then flip the script, do this for 30 reps and have the ability to come back tomorrow. If tomorrow is supposed to be a day on for you, right? It's like understanding that the goal is lifelong fitness and not maximizing one heavy clean jerk. And I think that's, that, that is, that's something that, as a new member, like when and we've, we've recently we've, we've had a number of new members come in, which is awesome, making sure that we talk to them about what that is. And the, the best example I always use for somebody is ask them about their personal life. What, what's something that you've done for 15 or 20 years, you know, and for, you know, one person it could be, oh, you know, I've been playing the piano for 15 or 20 years. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like in the beginning, like how, how good were you at playing the piano? They're like, oh, dude, I was like the worst freaking piano player in the world. I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. I was like, so in the beginning, like, what'd you do? It's like, well, I just practiced like a couple notes. I'm like, oh, sick, a couple notes. I'm like, that's what we're doing today. We're just going to practice a couple notes. And I think it's hard for people because 
we, you know, this is just how we are. We want everything so soon. You know, we have somebody who's learning the clean and jerk for the first time today and they're hitting the rep and they're putting it down. And the first thing somebody says, is like, oh man, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't do this, this, and this. I'm like, Whoa, hold up. I'm like, think about all the stuff that you, that you did well. Like you came in here, you didn't even know how to hold a barbell and within an hour, you know where to jump from, you know how to jump and punch on the push shirt. And this is also one of the best parts about being a coach is it is on you to draw these things out of your members and bring their attention to all these wonderful things that you're doing, right? Because this is not how, how we're all wired. Everybody's wired that they're going to talk about what they did poorly first. I didn't do this, 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 and this. Well, it's on you as a coach to be like, all right, hold the phone. You can do that later. But the first thing you need to do is give yourself credit for what you're actually doing and what you're actually learning. And I think, um, I think it's not natural for, for a lot of us. So a little bit different, you know, about the technical side of coaching, but more so about, um, you know, helping new members along the way, because I think that this is, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things is like, how do you get somebody that's new to continually come back? I really like that. Um, the analogy that you gave there about, uh, Hey, what, what have you, mastered or what have you practiced or been good at for 10 years of your life and relating that back to their journey in fitness. And, you know, some people will come in and, you know, they'll have some pre-existing fitness or some, you know, um, advantages, physical advantages, mental advantages, psychological, whatever that allow them to participate at a high level really quickly, but it's always better to follow the charter of mechanics, consistency, intensity, right? You got to nail the mechanics first. You got to make sure that they understand how to move one rep really cleanly, light loads. Then you get consistent. You want to see multiple reps over and over and over. They understand how to move their body through space and understand how to move the object through space. And then you add intensity in the form of speed and load relative to who the person is, where they're at in their fitness journey and, and what their goals are. But, you know, the, the tough part is like, the environment that we work in, it's special in so many ways. It's this awesome, positive atmosphere where there's a lot of energy. If you're coaching a great class and you have a great community, there should be a lot of energy in the room, right? And if you're coaching an exciting workout or exciting lift, it can become contagious, dude. It can become one of those things where the people who are a little bit newer, if you're not careful as the coach, if you're not guiding them, if you're not tempering their excitement a little bit, if you're not you know, telling them the story of what they need to do and how they need to focus today. And Hey, it says, you know, we're going to build up to a, a single rep heavy for today in 10 minutes. And if that's all you say to the entire class and you don't make any sort of adjustments for your very beginners, if you're not, if you don't go over to them and say, Hey, for you guys today, what I want you to do is, you know, every three minutes, I want you to do five reps really, really cleanly and crisply, just with a really lightweight in the first set. If you feel really good, I'll come over. We can evaluate and move up a little bit in the second set. But that third set, we're not making any jumps. We're just going to take that second set weight and you're going to do the best five reps that you've ever done in your life today. You know, that's something that's really important because you can get caught up. And I think that, you know, there's a, a positive side to that because your seasoned members, your members who, you know, know the ropes can use that energy, use that excitement to maybe, you know, do something that was a struggle for them before, or, or like accomplish something that they might not thought they were going to accomplish that day. But it's very easy 
for other people to get caught up in it, get caught up in the excitement to look next to them and, and either be encouraged to do something that they shouldn't do or get discouraged that they're not doing something that the other people are doing. Like, and that's the difference between, you know, somebody who, who starts playing piano on day one and is just doing fucking chopsticks. They're not going out there and playing with typically, you know, 10 other piano players that are, uh, you know, slamming Mozart and, and doing it with some virtuosity. They're probably sitting down there for lessons with, you know, a small group or they're going to piano class and they're largely with people who are of their same uh, level. I like the fact that we coach to mixed groups. It is certainly a challenge. It is a challenge. You have to be really, really good at not only reading the room and understanding who's in front of you, but you have to be really good at articulating how you're going to get from start to finish of your class today and not make anyone feel like they're completely fucking lost, whether that's the beginners feel like they're completely fucking lost or the advanced athletes feel like they're completely lost or the people who are the intermediates in the middle are like, wow, we are completely lost today because coach is only talking about beginner stuff or only talking about advanced stuff. You have to be able to find that kind of uh, Goldilocks middle ground and then figure out how you're going to talk to those different groups in unique ways and give them the things that they need. One of the things that we've talked about a couple of times in this podcast, uh, Max, and maybe this is where we can kind of wrap it on up is this idea of reading the room. And, you know, for me, this means that in the pre-class time, or if you're able to look at your class role before you start coaching your class, or you've coached this class many, many, many times, and you understand typically who's going to be in your class, you should have some sort of preconception or idea about what you want to be doing in that class. Now, when you get there, you kind of have to check that into the background and go, all right, but who's actually in front of me today? Who actually showed up? Did 20 people show up and 18 of them are very new? Or did five people show up and they're all 10-year-plus veterans? And you have to make decisions about how you're going to approach that group based on who's standing in front of you, what time of day it is, how the group is responding to you, how the group is generally feeling, and what you have to accomplish that day. And that, for me, is reading the room. But I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add on top of that. Reading the room is about putting together a good general warm-up. So if your general warm-up is just a bunch of bullshit and you're doing a bunch of static or dynamic stretches, you cannot read anything. Straight up. Like today, my warm-up for our clean and jerks had three different versions of a clean grip deadlift that we progressed through as the warm-up progressed. Uh, conventional clean grip deadlift, deadlift and shrug, deadlift and high pull. There were three different stages to that during the warm-up. There was also three rounds of 30 seconds of air squats, as well as three different versions of a strict press. You know, I'm not going to go in, in, into, the, into the minutia of it, but during this warm-up today, even if I didn't know anybody, fun fact, I knew everybody, but even if I didn't, I was watching the way that everybody was moving. And that is the most important part. And this is when we're talking about general warm-ups. Here are some things that I absolutely freaking hate. 
AMRAPs. All right, uh, our warm-up today is going to be an AMRAP 5. You're going to do 20 jumping jacks. You're going to do 10 sit-ups. You're going to do five air squats. Cool. So now everybody's moving at some different pace. Nobody's doing the same movement at all. Half of the people aren't even doing all the reps, and it's just complete freaking chaos. Ooh, we might have to put a pin in this discussion because I disagree with you big time. You had me mm -hmm. up until um, format of warm-up um, because I do think that AMRAPs can be effective types of warm-ups, um, just as EMOMs can be effective types of warm-ups, just as sets Hold can be on. effective type of warm-up. Time domain is the only way to warm people up using a time domain. I believe that. Uh, we have to, I think, I, you know what, we should dive into this in, in full because I think warm-ups are something that a lot of people don't fully understand, not only un understand from an actual like, uh, why, why are we warming up? Number one, what are the reasons you warm up? Uh, number two, what are the different types of warm-ups that we're talking about, whether or not they're general warm-ups, whether or not specific warm-ups, and whether or not it's extended warm-up, there's different types. And then we can we can definitely get into a discussion on validity of certain warm-ups. And I, there's probably right. not an exact right answer here. We certainly will have our opinion. No, there on... is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, I want I want I want to clarify something and then I'll let you finish. Clarify away. Using a time domain allows people to move at their own pace. I like that. What do you mean by I like time domain? Matt, we're going to start today with 30 seconds of a clean grip deadlift. It looks like this. We're going to move through 30 seconds. As you're doing that, you're layering on points of performance. We're talking about what they're moving through. Because in that moment, I'm able to watch everybody move through a clean grip deadlift. We're going to, Matt, we're going to go through 30 seconds of slow air squats. No, that's not effective to you? No, it's effective, but it's, I don't think it's the only way. Because you can accomplish no, it's not, the, same, it's, the it's, same exact thing by saying, hey, we're going to go through 10 clean grip deadlifts on my call here i'm gonna say stand and then return yep. you're doing the same one, thing one is just measured on a clock one is measured by reps 100 what i'm talking about is on your own go through x amount of reps and then what happens is matt has finished 10 clean grip deadlifts and sally is on number three yeah and so uh, they're they, and, and then what you're having is people standing around and you're having Matt who finishes first and somebody else that's still working through it. And that disrupts the timeline of your class. What I'm saying is it should look like a dope Kung Fu movie. Okay. Yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I still have a difference of opinion because, you know, there are times in which you can have a general warmup, which is a, an AMRAP with simple movements that members can kind of free flow through just one piece at a time. And then you might move into a more specific warm-up afterwards where you're leading them through some sort of, you know, barbell stuff to, to get them primed for whatever's coming next. So next we time don't we don't we don't we don't trust our members enough for that. So they're not allowed to do anything. Um. <laughs> next time that Mr. Max and I get on the podcast here, we will be talking about warming our athletes up, what are our opinions and differences of opinion on that. But Mr. Max, aside from Top Gun Maverick being the best movie that you've never seen, what are your hot takes to close out today's episode? What are you watching? What are you doing today for a workout? Two words, love 
Island. So um, Love Island is some of the most trashiest trash that I've ever. You can call trashiest. me Oscar the. You can call me Oscar the Grouch. I love it. I'm gonna live in a dumpster. Uh, we're we're watching Love Island, and it is completely mindless dribble, and I enjoy it. So that's what I've been watching. I'm gonna do the class workout today. So nice. that's what I'm gonna do. Ten, 10 minutes to establish a heavy clean and jerk. Rest five minutes. Then I'll do thirty clean and jerks, and then maybe um, a little zone two training, which is just riding a bike for thirty minutes. Everybody is on the zone two. The zone two has had a bigger glow up than kale. Uh, I think, I think that's like zone two and kale right now are competing or who had the bigger glow up in the fitness community. Zone two I, essentially is just low and slow conditioning where you can maintain a conversation and yeah. ensure that some nerds out there are going to have, you know, a heart attack that I didn't associate also, with heart rate levels I've, with it. I, I fucking hate kale. Yeah. I, I, I like kale when it's massaged the right way. When you get that lemon, you get the olive oil, you really get your hands in there. Very like, you like Gianna you like De Laurentiis type of, yeah, I need, I need, I need the kale massage. Um, all right. So recommendation for your viewing pleasure, YouTube channel called the proper people. These are two gentlemen, two young men who go around exploring all these different abandoned, whether it's prisons, asylums, hospitals, churches. It's really, really interesting. They like to find things that are kind of preserved in time. Um, uh, what they actually find mostly is things that have been pretty run down or, uh, you know, ghosts. vandalized. But uh, yeah, and some ghosts here and there, some ghosts. I'm going to be doing some jujitsu today at 10th Planet Portland. And then I'm going to get in some upper and lower body, uh, just really simple strength work. Um, I've been loving just keeping it simple three days a week, doing an upper and lower body type of split recently. And that's all we got for you today. So tune in next Tuesday for an upper, another episode of the intro. Mr. Max Isaac, hope you have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon, buddy. Later, Gator. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.